0: to episode 8 of The Print Reviews. My name is Colin Sinclair McDermott, aka The Online Print Coach, and today I'm joined by Kean Byrne of We Do Printing over in Ireland. Keen, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me. Very welcome, sir. Very welcome. Looking forward to it. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kean. I finished up school and I went off to do
1: a degree in electronic engineering, which I thought is what I wanted to do. I thought I was going to be building stuff, but it was more about physics and maths and stuff that I wasn't that great at. So I dropped out of that and I started working in a hotel and in the hotel, I did everything. So bar cleaning rooms, hoovering in the kitchen, running weddings, a bit of everything, making loads of tips and kind of got a grasp of just how to deal with people. I think if you deal with people that are drunk, you can deal with anybody. So it just gave me a good cross section of of everyone uh, in society. So it was a, it was a great learning curve and it worked for what we do now is because we deal with people across the board. After a while, like, it was a couple of years of that, I decided to move on and get a proper job. And I got a job as doing sales in a TV and video shop, selling mobile phones, DVDs were coming out. There was loads of training in, in kind of upselling and cross-selling and explaining features and benefits to people. So someone would come in to want a, a TV and we'd sell them a flat screen TV and a DVD player, which again, works to our benefit now. Um upselling cross-selling and stuff like that and i moved on to a computer uh, i worked in the tele tele sales center uh for dell computers selling computers and that was heavily heavily based on cross-selling upselling they'd advertise a low low price of 2.99 and we'd end up having to sell them a computer for 9.99 so that again Kind of built, us, built towards what we do now is is making sure that someone leaves with the right thing. So if somebody calls in looking for 299 euro computer, it doesn't mean that they need a 299 euro computer. They could need the, the one with the better graphics card or the better better screen or whatever. So we always have to kind of probe and find out what they needed um, before we let them off the phone. Because there's nothing as bad as somebody coming back to you a couple of weeks later saying, I bought it for this and it doesn't work and now I want my money back. So, really, it kind of helped to do what we do today. While I was doing that, I had a second job and I was doing lighting in a local nightclub. And I loved working in the clubs. I loved the music. And I never wanted to DJ, but I always wanted to be involved in it. So, lighting seemed to be the, the um, it seems to be a good path into it. I enjoyed that so much that I went and got a job in a big nightclub in the city doing lighting and visuals, which is the video content that you're kind of, it's everywhere now, but back then, nobody was doing it. There was, I think it was three or four people in the country that were doing it. So it was something that I taught myself how to do. There was no forums. The internet was kind of young. So we kind of taught myself how to do it. While I was doing that, a couple of the club promoters asked me, could I design flyers? I said, yes, never knew how to design a flyer. So I went down to the local record shop, got loads of flyers off the beside the till, taught myself Photoshop over a weekend. And came back with some flyers on the Monday. They were terrible, but they paid me for them. Um, and I got more work out of them. I got more work doing posters and outdoor campaigns for these same clubs and events. And then it turned into bars and restaurants. All self-taught, always saying yes to these people. Can you do this? Oh, yeah, I can. And then trying to figure it out over the weekend and come back to them the next day. So I was doing that for a few years and it was going well. And my wife Lynn, who was girlfriend then, said to me, would you not try and make it into something proper, like have a proper company rather than just Kane, the freelancer? Um, and that's where we do printing come from.
0: So you've kinda of, you've nodded you've nodded your kind of your head a little bit to this is what's kind of helped us kind of realize where we're at today and things like that. Kind of all these all these things you've done in the background, kind of from hospitality to to understanding obviously kind of graphic design, what people expect from from print jobs and things, has laid the foundations for for kind of, I guess, a successful business today.
1: I think everything that we've done or that I've done up to this point has got us, has has formed and molded the company to what it is. So whether that's dealing with customer complaints at a wedding, because their soup was cold and how to deal with people mm-hmm. working in the computer shop, as I said, um, making sure that they go off with something that they're happy. Like yeah. just cause somebody asks for one thing doesn't mean that's the thing that they need they might need something completely different. We had people that bought computers and they called two weeks later and say, it can't print. You never sent me a printer. Now, was that my fault for not asking them to need a printer? Or was that their fault for not telling me? Mm-hmm. I think it was my fault because I should I'm the expert. So I should have said to them, well, you want to do reports every week? You need a printer. Now, mm-hmm. so I think that is the exact same here that you send somebody off and then they go, oh, I never got a menu or I never got, you know, I never got this thing. So it's up to me and us to ask them what they need and when you understand the business like hospitality or like sales or like computer shops or whatever it is, you can start to f- figure out what they need before they they know what
0: they need. It's it's funny, you kinda know, you, when you, you kind know, when you talk about the background and actually there's some, some similarities there as well. Can I kinda um, worked in hospitality for quite some time, kinda and um, start, I think I started off as a kitchen porter, so a chef and bit of silver service behind the bar. In the restaurant, kind of, but it does. It makes you resilient. It gets you used to to dealing with people, and, and even actually, when I look back now, kind of, and I look at some of the clients that I work with today, there's there's a reluctance there to. Um, not everyone likes dealing with people on a face to face basis, but actually, I think that's probably played a big part in building that resilience, both in 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 myself and you. But the sense of it to 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 be comfortable in those situations, and and actually, I like dealing with people's concerns and complaints, like, I want the challenge of putting that right for them, kind of addressing their issues so that they, they do come back time and time again. Anyway, can I, I, I digress, um, you've obviously kind of, you've touched on we do Printing, but t- tell me a little bit more about the business and how did you, we kind of know how you came into the industry, but tell us about the business now and how it's evolved over the last 17 years.
1: So yeah, so 17 years ago, I started, started in a shed in my back garden, doing design buying and selling printing we got involved with a couple of a couple of the people that we worked with in events and, and and nightclubs ended up forming their own bigger companies and dealing with like some of the bigger music festivals here some of the bigger sponsors so like heineken or Tree Mobile or i'm thinking uh, there's a couple of yeah a couple of big big beer companies absolute vodka picardy and we got brought along with them so we designed bars. We didn't design kind of activations and installations of festivals, like with big, big budgets. And we had no equipment at the time. So like you're handed a budget of 50 grand and told go build stuff. It looks really good on paper. Someone saying to you, there's 50 grand. You think you're making a lot of money, but then they want two van loads to go down that day or they want an extra designer on it, And it suddenly gets whittled away. And I noticed that we were giving most of our money to other people. Mm-hmm. So we get this 50 grand it would go to other printers and they had their own machine so i decided in the 2013 we should start investing in our own equipment um and we've been buying stuff since and can't stop
0: <laughs> that's actually that leads me on to one of my next questions because you have you've made in the time we've known each other you've you've made two significant um investments in the business one being um bringing on a new employee to to assist in production um, and the second, obviously, the the, the new flatbed that you've um, you've introduced in the last couple of weeks. Both of those are really big decisions, kinda, and I no doubt have made a a real positive impact to the business. But how did you know when it was the right time to progress with both those investments?
1: First one, which was the production, bringing in someone for production. Um, I had it the wrong way around. I was trying to hire a designer that I could do a deal. But it's just a new restaurant, hand over the design and the customer service basically to a designer. They deal with them, and then I'd be the production person. I produce the job, fit it, and deliver it. But I I figured out that people wanted to deal with me, they didn't want to deal with somebody else. And most of that customer journey, if you look at it from the time that the phone rings to the time the job is delivered, Most of the conversational part of that happens in design back and forward and figuring all the problems out. And then the design part is, is, or sorry, the production part is just the end bit, which I was coming in. And there's no real discussion there. So people were looking for me to deal with it. And then I just hand them off to somebody else. So I flipped it back around. I'd still be the designer and customer service. And we get someone into the production, which we did. And we did it last May. So I brought Johnny in he looks after all the wide format. We already have Izzy who looks after all the small format. But Johnny's made such a huge change to the business. I'm not physically tied to the office. Production job means I have to be downstairs, load machines, cutting stuff. If I'm doing design or meetings, like I can have a meeting in my car driving somewhere or I can have a, I can sit in a coffee shop and finish off a menu or change a price on something. You get so much more done. Plus, he does it better than I ever could.
0: I guess it lets you you, you enjoy being customer-facing from the conversations we've had, so I guess it allows you to to perhaps spend more time doing the, the stuff that you love as well and, and speaking to clients about the projects.
1: I find a lot of the times I go into a meeting, and the meeting's an hour long, and we spend 10 minutes talking about the job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 50 minutes is about, I don't know, where you went on holidays, what you did for the weekend. Some of these customers, we've, my longest customer's 20, 24 years is my longest customer. I know these people I've been to their weddings it's kind of they want to see you and you want to see them and even when you're sitting in front of them if you've hired someone just to design a flyer for somebody people hired the designer that's going to design a flyer for someone they'll just design the flyer and they'll send it to print whereas I'm doing the flyer I go would you not turn that into a sign would you not get some business cards as well would you not make a graphic your website I can do here's a Facebook thing I did show you some stickers free of charge there you go stick them on people's laptops and they appreciate that. I
0: appreciate the work and the money. So it really works. You mentioned a number there, which I know the, the listeners are gonna to want to they'll be doing the math in their head, you know. your longest customer's twenty-four years, um, the business is seventeen years. So I guess that's someone that's been with you in a previous life. So that was that was someone that was with me when I was doing all the freelance work. Mm-hmm. So
1: they just stuck with me. Um it's a it's a it's a hotel that bought another pub, that added a nightclub a pizza bar down the road. They've then had a burger bar and they bought another hotel and it's just, we've grown with them as much as they've grown. We've grown with them. And and because sometimes a lot of this is new to them, we get brought along in the journey with them. So we've learned huge amounts about fit outs of restaurants, fit outs, how till systems are programmed. We, you know, we sometimes liaise with, the, with the, the night managers because they're the ones that are programming the till. So if the menus are going to be late delivers. Mm-hmm. they can't have the tills changing over the next morning to the new pricing if the menus haven't been delivered so we liaise with them so there's loads of stuff that we've learned about the business
0: by working with people like this for a long 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 amount of time and that makes you guys invaluable kind of like when any other printers are coming shopping at their door can I, like, you've got that upper hand because you know the ins and outs of their business <laughs> to, 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 almost to the extent of, of what they do as well
1: yeah so we know that they need six menus because they have six entrances into their hotel. Hmm. We know that at certain times of the year, the place gets so busy that you can't put sandwich boards outside on the street because of the festival on and they get in trouble for us. So we res- we have a plan B, but then the rest of the year we can put the sandwich boards outside. So there's a lot of knowledge that we have a of their business, B of the surrounding area as in the, the council laws and bylaws But it just makes things easier for them. So they can come to me and say, we have a new menu launching. They don't need to say to us, right, we need 10 posters. We need a thousand flyers, We need you to do a Facebook crowd. We just know. And because we've been doing it for so long and they trust us, they ask us to do it. We don't get checked up on. We don't. They just trust that it'll get done. And I think if it doesn't get done, if there is a problem, we've always been completely honest about it. But that there's no... There's no surprises. No one likes a surprise. I want to be able to hand my car to a mechanic and not have him ringing every two minutes and me ringing him every two minutes. You just want them to hand it back to you, done. So that's it.
0: Yeah. And moving on to the flatbed. Sorry for interrupting you. Ian, but...
1: The flatbed, um, I saw one about 10 years ago. I was like, what is that? I want one of them. And I want one of those cutting machines that cuts the stuff that the flatbed does. So a few years ago, we bought a flatbed cutter, which has changed everything here. Kind of Just the automation and the stuff that we can do. And about three years ago, I looked at a flatbed printer and I went to Fespa. I think it was just after one of the lockdowns. I did the tour of looking at every printer and every manufacturer, went to the print show in the UK, went back to Fespa. The thing that I never wanted to do with the flatbed is just do the stuff that we do already on a roll to roll, just quicker. So I didn't want to, we can already produce a sign that's a meter by a meter. I didn't want to buy a flatbed so we could just do that same sign, but quicker. It had to do something that we didn't already do. So in the last couple of years, we've m- not moved on from events, but we're getting a bit more involved with these companies and they want packaging or they want us want to be able to print their logo onto the top of a box or, and um, things that fold eco is a big thing now. So printing onto cardboards without vinyls and lammals. So it seemed like the right thing to do. And we have to work for it now. So, just before Christmas, I ordered it and it arrived about two and a half weeks ago. And it's amazing. So it's an Epsom V7000, which is the, the new Epsom a white ink, buff varnish. It's not the fastest machine in the world, but it was never designed to be the fastest machine in the world. The quality is amazing off it. I've no, I, we played around with it for a couple of weeks, some amazing stuff it could do. I'm more excited about the stuff that we haven't figured out that it can do. Things like you want your, you've spent, couple of hundred grand on your new restaurant on the fit-out. Uh, it's all very fancy. And then I arrive at a big laminated plastic menu to stick up in your wall. It doesn't really fit in, but now we can kind of a piece of wood and print your menu in white ink onto a piece of wood and it looks like it fits in your restaurant. And yeah, I think it's going to be a game changer for us.
0: Fantastic. So tell me, back in 2020, I think it was you made the decision to relocate the business away from... Dublin city centre, back closer to home in, in Wicklow. How did how did that move impact the business? Because it must have been must have been a big decision moving away from the city centre.
1: Yeah, it was mid We'd just come out of a lockdown, and I think we were going back into another lockdown. So it was quite difficult to find somewhere number one because we couldn't. They wouldn't let us in anywhere. Um, so we found this place close. It's about twenty minute drive from my house in Kilcool in Wicklow, which still, even though it's out of the city, it's a 35 minute drive from the city. So if I need to go into a meeting or something happens and you need to drop something into the city center, it's not really the end of the world. Most of our customers, we deliver to them and we always have, and we don't make them come to us. Like I said, we want their day to be as hassle free as possible. So me walking into reception with the stuff they ordered is a lot easier than them have to drive to us or send the member staff out to us. So, they haven't really noticed much of a difference. It saved a huge amount of commute times. I'd spend two, three hours a day commuting, sitting, not even driving, just sitting in traffic. The one thing that we did notice is we did a huge amount of same day printing. So, business cards, flyers, posters, presentation boards for meetings. Uh, we had Google ads that ran in the locality, so in Dublin city centre, but we also ran them in large cities around the world saying that if you know if you if you're sitting in an airport in chicago and you've forgotten all your flyers or you can't bring a big board onto a plane and you look up who can print in dublin we had a same day service so they could order their printing get in a flight land the next morning and the stuff would be in their hotel waiting for them we did a huge amount of business with that but the saving by moving out of the city kind of balanced it out Mm -hmm. but there hasn't been there hasn't been much of a of a negative impact, but the positives are we have a, a, a premises that's four or five times the size of it, and has allowed us to buy all this equipment.
0: And you're saving ten hours commuting time every week as well for the sake of it. It's unbelievable the, the
1: difference between leaving. I used to try and leave at four o'clock, and if you got stuck and left a half for like an hour and a half, it turned into two and a half hours. It was just mm. crazy. Just crazy it was month.
0: It was like a month a year. I think I was sitting in the traffic. That's yeah, not good. It's not good. No. And it's not good, obviously, for family life and things either, is it? No, no, it's terrible. One of the things I love about you know, your approach to marketing, and gonna... you've hinted at it a couple of times already, <laughs> but you you don't just sell print on a substrate. You can you kind of really take time to understand your client's needs, kind of get to really understand their business and, and sell them a solution. But just like you referred to there about the, the menu and printing print on the board, etc. You're looking to... To give them something that's a little bit different, a little bit more special. Another example I've heard you talking about is, um, again, back in hospitality. Surprisingly, but um, you don't just sell restaurants leaflets; you sell them high quality menus. Kind of tell me, tell me a little bit about your approach, kind of because you, you. I think this is where a lot of print companies can can perhaps learn something here.
1: So we always call the product what the customer calls us. So they want a loyalty card; we sell them loyalty cards. We don't sell them business cards. We don't refer to the stock and the and the finish and the colours and the, the type of ink used. They don't really care about that. Like if I order something in a restaurant, I don't care what pan it was cooked on. I just want the end product. And that's what they want. It it means that for something like a loyalty card, we'd always print it on, on an uncoated stock so that it won't smudge when you get the little stamp on it and someone puts it in their pocket and they get ink all over their hands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when we say that to somebody, oh, I think we should do it on an uncoated stock. Because it stops their hands getting smudged with ink. They go, geez, I never thought of that. So you're thinking in the way that they think. And you're also figuring out problems for them before they've realized the problem. Now, suddenly you're you're more than just a printer. You're not just a commodity of selling some of the thousand business cards. You've just fixed a problem for them. We had a customer there recently ring in and they were looking for laminated A3s. And I asked them what it was for. They had an ice cream. It was last summer. They had an ice cream van. And they wanted A3 menus. They just wanted, they wanted A3s printed and laminated. And they wanted to stick them on the outside of their coffee shop or their, their ice cream shop um, outdoors. And I asked them what it was for. And they told me that it was for the outside of the shop. And I said, well, you're, you're crazy just doing it. They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get blown away. Why don't you get a frame? And we can do a phonics thing that can fit into it. Um, now, they've gone and got three other prices. We were one of them. And there was two others. But by the time the other two came back to the person with the price, the spec had completely changed. They were still quoting on a laminated A4, A3. We'd already moved the conversation on something that was going to stick to the wall. It wasn't going to get done. It was vandalized. It was cheap to replace. So if you speak the person's language and you talk to them about a menu rather than just a laminated A4, it
0: it, it just differentiates it so much. And you're building trust, you're building trust that the other two haven't done because you're showing them that you care about. But ultimately, it's, it's in your best interest that they, they get a solution that works for them. So that kind uh, of, if they need it again, who are they going to come back to? Are they going to come back to you or are they going to come back to the other two people?
1: Exactly. And we don't usually, it's not that we're hiding anything, we don't put down on in our invoices 850 millimeters by 1000 millimeters, 5 millimeters Fomex, matt laminate. We don't put the spec on it. Now, it's not to, it's not that we're hiding what it is. We have it written down here on our on the backside of our ordering system. It also stops them just going and price shopping as well. That they can't just pick up the phone, ring four for printers, and say, "I need a a menu that's this size." They just go, "I'll go back to the guy that sorted out the last time," and he stuck them up for us. He arrived out with them and stuck them up for us. Whereas the other ones have just arrived as a package. So, yeah. It works for us. I could work for anyone. it doesn't, it's not necessarily about hospitality. It can be about anything. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. We do a lot of stuff for um, for music festivals and we've learned so much over the years with music festivals, load-ins and load-outs and safety procedures and all that. And once you speak their language and you're able to sit down with a production manager and say, well, what time's load-in I'll make sure not to be in the way when they're putting in the main stage. It's music to their ears. They don't have to go and explain it to me or explain it to somebody. They go, right, he knows what he's doing next
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so it's not about price it's not about price it's a bit confidence isn't it
0: now I've got you pigeonholed as the king of metaphors you've already you've already done one in this episode actually oh, Okay. <laughs> um, but there's not many there's not many conversations that we have there you don't come out with an absolute an absolute cropper Recently, you came out with one about the. You were talking about selling on value, and I think you compared yourself to a bar on a, a strip in, in Tenerife. Kind of, do you fancy sharing that with 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 us today?
1: That was, I think, it was away in Tenerife, and it was down on the seafront, in um, along a strip, big long strip, you know, fifty bars along it. Each of them is selling the same product, so they're all selling beer and nuts. Every single one of them. And it's the same beer. It's San Miguel the whole way down. But as you got closer to the marina, the price of the beer went from one end of it was 150 a pint, And by the time you got up to the marina, it was 450 a point. Now, the one at the 150, you're sitting on a plastic chair. Still the same view, still the same beer. And then by the time you get up to the other end, it's a nicer chair. And it might have carpet and there might be more staff. There might be some music. It's So what... My point about that is, is that you you sell the same product as the guy down the road. We both sell the same flyer printed on the same probably machine with the same type of paper. But it's the added value around us that allows you to charge more for it. So it could be that we do a same day service. It could be that we edit the artwork for them, or we hold their artwork for them, or we gave them advice that we're not going to charge them for. Them. We're not going to itemise the charge for. It. What it means is that yes, even though the point is the same at both ends of that strip, the product isn't the same. the The overall experience around it is different, um, and I believe that we are, have a different experience around bringing print to somebody. So we under, like we said, we understand their business. We can advise them better. Nope. the guy down the, not the same the guy down the road is doing a terrible job it's just that he might you ask him for one thing he gives you that exact
0: thing we do extra yeah And that, I that's, mean that's the difference that's where you've got to you've got to showcase your you know, your your values and again it's something I, I really try and push on to the clients I work with like not everyone can have the best quality printers that can have they're printing on the same paper, as you say. Kind of they, they're not all going to be the quickest. They're not always going to be the cheapest. So you've got to come up with something that makes you stand out from, from everyone else. And I think that's well, something you do very well.
1: We have a big thing. We we often have people that say to us, just making up numbers, oh, you're a 100 quid of them. I can get them online for 50. Now, if you're a restaurant, go back to the, the hospitality thing. If you're a hotel that signs off on a menu on a Wednesday and you need them for Friday, but the online delivery won't come until Monday. You've just missed out on an entire weekend of sales with your new pricing, which is a lot more than the savings you would have made on the print. Mm -hmm. So if your costs have gone up, which means your stake is now two quid dearer, you've missed out on a whole weekend of 102 quids to save yourself 50 in the print. So it's about being smart as well. From their point of view, it's about being smart as well. That you can't just, everything can't just be down to price. I find the people that lead the conversation, if we go and meet somebody and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is about price and how cheap it needs to be, we'll do one job
0: and that's the end of it. We don't... They I'm need amazed. to value us. I'm amazed you've even, you've even done one, to be honest, you Ah, well, I've gone that far. I might as well take the money for one. So tell me, what's uh, 17 years in business since you launched We Do Printing? What's, what's the biggest mistake you've made over that, over that period of time, do you reckon? I put
1: loads of thought into everything that we do. Like 10 years of thinking about flatbed and three years investigating. So it's really hard to kind of come up with something that failed on me because there's so much thought I'd put into it. But one... That oh, was about seven years ago. I know that people instead of coming to a designer to get a logo and get their stationery done, and then take that logo and the look and the um the look and feel and go and get a website built, they were going to a web designer first who do their logo. and At the end of it, he do them a business card and a flyer, which were usually terrible. And people would turn up at our door with a PDF rather than a brief which again goes back to just shopping on, I need a thousand business cards. I need 500 letterheads. So I said we should open a web design agency and we should capture the money at the start of it because it was easy. It was just web design, but yeah, it wasn't was easy. easy. It wasn't <laughs> easy. It was terrible. The I, Like we made money overall. We did it for two years, made money, broke even, made money out of it. But it was the, it was the costs involved. The price, the price that you would charge someone versus the amount of work that went into it. Mm-hmm. And you'd look at something, you'd say, that's going to take me 10 hours to build. It's going to be X amount of money, but the amount of time to get the content from that person, someone like a plumber would say, I need a website. And you'd say to them, oh, "Well, I need five pages. I need a page written about you. I need a page written about plumbing in a toilet. I need a page written about plumbing in a sink, whatever. Six months later, you were still waiting mm-hmm. for this. Um, They've only use stock photographs. We'd be recommending that they should go and get their own photographs of their own staff on site done. They wouldn't want to spend extra money on doing that, even though they have these photographs forever to use in print as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think I underestimated the amount of work involved. In it. And we got systems in place, And it, but it was just complete show when it came to... Uh, getting these things done we had websites that were fully paid for that we never even started because the people would be going oh, i have to get back to you about that and i find it really difficult to write it's the one thing that i don't like doing so i know a lot of web designers what they do is they just write out something it was before ChatGPT, so they write out a couple of hundred words put it on the website they'd say i'll change that at a later date and it'd never be changed it's still there to this day so i could never do that so um, you put it back on them, and they're busy running the plumbers or whatever they do, um, and it just, it just took forever. It's heartbreaking. So after about two years, I said, "Like I've had enough. I'm done. You
0: tried it. You did try
1: it. I did try, and we learned never to do web design for people again.
0: <laughs> yes. So can I continue with that theme? Um, regrets. Is there anything that you regret? Kind of, maybe things that you've done eventually, but perhaps you wish you'd done sooner or...
1: I think the one overarching thing is that I tried to do everything myself. I tried to teach myself how to do it and then do it myself rather than handing it over to somebody else to do. So that could be design accounts, the actual printing, Google AdWords, SEO, marketing, fitting a job, wrapping a van, content writing, photography. And some of them I enjoy. Some of them I hate, but I also find it very hard to, to let it go. When you're going to hire somebody to do that job, they're probably better at you than doing it. So if you're hiring somebody to do your, say your accounts or AdWords, say they know what they're doing more than you do. So um, I found it really difficult to hand it over. I think i like to micromanage it, which is probably a, one of my
0: flaws. But that's, that's the secret, isn't it? The secret is to be, to be bringing in people who are better than you. So you don't have to worry about it. But listen, it's something I think many of us are guilty of. Can of. I I think what happens as well is because you've got so much on, like
1: all of those things, there's 70 hours uh, hours a week of work in that, what I just said there. So you do everything at 80% Mm -hmm. and nothing ever gets done properly. The design never gets done properly. The accounting never gets done properly. The ad words just get thrown together. Mm -hmm. So if you do the things that you like, so I like the photography bit and I like the designing bit. If I do that right and I get somebody else in to do the other stuff right then you know we're all on 100
0: but that's what happens you can uh, you start a business all of a sudden you're the you're the sales manager you're the you're the you're the customer service person you're the designer you're the finance person you're the production and you cannot you cannot do it all can I? it was it was one of the things cost, cost me daily at the time actually and thankfully I, I realized can i when the time came, kind of, that I had to bring, like, fi- finance was never my strong point um, back then. So, like, I had to bring in a bookkeeper. I had to get the accountant more involved in the business. Production, kind of, it only, it only takes ruining a set of business cards once in a guillotine to know that you, like, mm. I'm not cut out for production.
1: There is a catch-22 it, though, because for all of these things to bring somebody else in to do them, you need to pay them. Yeah. So, you need to make more money to pay these people, which brings your costs up, which means you need to make more money. And it's, it, there is a, there is a vicious cycle to it, but luckily we're at a point now where we don't have to worry about. It's getting other. to
0: the point, it's identifying which areas are getting kind the of, biggest weakness and filling those gaps first and exactly. foremost, isn't it? Now, I don't have kids, so but kind of, I've got to know you kind of fairly well over the last few years. Kind of, um, obviously your wife, your wife Lynn, and yourself. You get two lovely girls, Ellen and uh, Emily. Now, having kids, I can imagine, and running a business is 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 challenging enough at times. I would expect with um, I speak to a lot of my friends, kinda the school runs and all the different clubs that they've got going on in the evenings and things, but Emily's also on the, the autism spectrum as well. Kind of how, how do you how do you manage, kinda how do you both manage to, to juggle everything that you do and kinda be good parents as well?
1: So like running a business is it's rewarding, but it's tough. And parenting also is rewarding, but that's also tough. And then if you add a layer of um autism, which emily has it can get really really difficult um like emily is full on from the minute she wakes up in the morning until the time she goes to bed so bedtime could be 11 o'clock at night she could be back up at two in the morning three in the morning and stay up not go back to bed so there's exhaustion there that it's like having a newborn baby and everyone says, oh, after six months, it gets better. Well, it, it, it kind of has just dragged on a little bit. Emily's also a flight risk, which means that she'll, she'll run. So she's if you're in a car park at a shopping center, she'll run. She can try and get out windows. She can get out of our backyard and climb fences. Just wants to run. She's not trying to run anywhere, but just wants to run. So there's no she's no sense of danger, which means you know she'll run out on the road or she'll run towards dogs and stuff like that. So you're always always on alert with her which is kind of difficult like i've noticed sometimes that we both bolt up in the middle of the night because we heard a noise mm-hmm. and you're not really sleeping properly because you're waiting for something like a, a door to click or, or a window latch to open and our house is like fort knox there's locks everywhere and um, one thing we run on the business is that you do need if i was just coming in here and operate machinery day in day out it would be different but when you're trying to be creative so designing new stuff or coming up with new ideas or copywriting for the website. It just makes things a little bit extra hard. Um, and the only way around that is I enjoy spending time on my own. I always have. So I go away on my own or I go camping on my own. Um, or I go, I live up in the mountains in a place called Glendalock, um, which people travel hours for to come to hike up there. So I can just walk out my back door and I'm in the middle of it. So I go hiking, I go camping, with my other daughter, but also Lynn spots when I'm kind of burnt out, and she'll say to me, "Why don't you go and stay in the hotel after night? Or why don't you go on a night out? Or why don't you go away on holidays?" And I'm the same with her. But you kind of, you kind of have to each notice because you don't look after yourself because you put everything into the business and everything into the kids that you you kind of let yourself go. So it's, she keeps an eye out
0: for me, and I keep an eye out for her and. It I need that. I think It goes back to a conversation that Gareth and I had. Uh, Gareth and Print Pit, I think it was episode two or three. And um, the importance of having that you kind know, of that strength at home, you kind know, of like having a a kind of strong support network and keeping an eye out for you. Because there's times, I'm guessing, where you, know, you you'll, you'll try and um, Lynn will tell you you need to take a break, and you'll push back a little bit because you've got certain things going on. And
1: yeah, like we when during festival season during the summer we do like this we do most of the major music festivals so whether that's building stuff backstage or we do some stuff for some of the big brands and it's you know 16-hour days she's stuck at home with the kids i get in from work she doesn't want to listen to me moan about how hard my day was i take over you know she can get to go for a walk put the kids to bed hope that it goes well during the night back up early again to get in here to print stuff. Um, so you kind of put yourself in the back burner, and it is up to somebody else sometimes mm-hmm. um just to say to you here, take a break. Have you had dinner? No, I forgot. Or you end up eating pizza every night in your car, driving home. Crazy. So um but it's great having someone
0: um like Lynn with me through all this because she's great. Fantastic. So tell me, you uh know, you know, missing recent- Bonville. To using LinkedIn, um, I think as like like many people, kind of you were a little bit reluctant to post, unsure about what to talk about, and I guess didn't want to appear like too show offy. That's that's something I hear quite frequently as well. Kind of has your opinion changed now that you've started using the platform? Kind of, and have you had any you had any success from it yet? It's like where fun goes to die.
1: It's um, it's it is. It's I. I say, maybe it's just my feed, but I looked at everything that was like pushed to the top of my whatever algorithm it, it works with. The top of my feed was, here's a thing I did, I'm not I die great? And that's what it was. Everybody just saying how great it was, Our humble bragging, saying, you know, wasn't it great to do this charity event over the weekend? Am I die great? You know, um, here's a marathon I ran and I I raised money, you know. This is nothing to do with business, but here's a picture of my cat. So I found it really hard to, I can't write like that. And I find it really cringy to go on about yourself like that. Um, So I just avoided it. I never, I was never really into it. And then you convinced me to put up, I can't remember what the job was. I think it was like the Lego store or
0: something like that. The Lego store, yeah, the one in Dublin.
1: And I decided just to write it myself as me and say, right, here's the job we did. It's cool. And I got a clap at the end from all the nerds that sat out in the queue. And here's the thing. And just a little, little story about it. And I wrote the way I speak and it worked. I don't need to write in that kind of strange way. People on LinkedIn, write. So anytime that we have anything cool, I try not to post stuff. That's not boring, but I look at stuff and I go, would I be interested in looking at a picture of that I wouldn't be interested in looking at a picture of a business card because that's I find that boring. But if it's something cool like the backstage of a music festival or a cool new Lego store or um, here's a new machine doing something that I've never seen before, I'll post about it and, and write the way I write. Um, we put up a video last week, the week before last, of when we got the flatbed machine. I had some slates here and I printed on the slate, explained what it did. And we got two orders out of it <laughs> so one was for for disney and the other one is for gordon ramsey's tv show that he's filming down the road and they're using they're using the next day on the, on the show and they ordered a load of them so why hadn't i ever put that video up i'd explained to the guys in disney and i explained to the guys on the on the, on the chef show that I was getting a flatbed printer and they nodded and said, Oh great. Yeah. They had no idea what it did. And then I, when I showed them the video of here's this cool thing and I had it in my car and I drove down with it and was like, here you go. They were like, yeah, give us some of them. So it does work. You can explain all you want about machines and stuff. But I think when you, tell a story, yeah, when you tell a story or, or just even cool stuff, here's we've, I have a big box of stuff here that I'm going to print on with the flatbed. And I'm going to try and make a video about each of them. And some of them might fail and some of them might really work, but at least it gets the word out. But that's, it is now I'm not an influencer on it, but I, it is more successful than I thought it would be.
0: So it's safe to say you're a convert. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The time has come, as you know, um, it's become a bit of a tradition on this podcast. where I ask um, you to share something that most people in your professional capacity might not know about you. Um, one of the last episodes, we had Scott from Venture Banners tell us, he I I confessed to being a, a Kappa model back in the, the 90s. Can you top that? You weren't a Calvin Klein underwear model or anything, where you, can.
1: In my own room, I was, yes. I am a huge space nerd. So most people that in my personal life know this because I get slagged a lot about it. But I love space i love all things to do with the engineering of space not so much the looking through a telescope and looking at planets it's more about the getting to space and living there so the engineering the technical drawings the sh- rocket launches the rocket landings landing on the moon living on the iss i think it's just pushing humanity and engineering to the furthest limits it can. like a rocket engine is pushing engineering to it's like formula one it's as it's as Badass you can get. Um I have gone to a couple of space shuttle launches in Florida. Um a friend of a friend worked on the Mars Rover project. And we were out for dinner in Dublin one night, and he said, You should come and I'll give you a tour of JPL in California. And about two weeks later I flew out and went. <laughs> so got to see where they built the Mars Rover, got to see where they built Voyager, all the stuff I read about as a kid. A few years ago, a guy I know was running an event with Al Warden, who was a pilot on one of the Apollo missions. He flew to the moon and he was the speaker of it. And he said, would you like to come over for, cause our ad was in the, in the magazine mm-hmm. and we ended up hanging out for two days, got for pints and gone for lunch and talking about stuff. And he was telling me all these old stories about the sixties and seventies. Like he went to the moon in 1971. Um, and hearing all these stories about stuff that you wouldn't read about in books and kind of yeah. stuff that he shouldn't be telling you, kind of this rock and roll lifestyle that he led. So, And the engineering behind it and all these trips that he had to do and on, all the hard things that he had to do as well. Like we were just talking about parenting as well. He was saying, you know, he was away from home so much. I remember him saying like two thir- a third of his life was spent in simulators for like a, a long period of time. So. I think it it, like pushing a rocket engine to the limits. It also pushes humans to the limit, like sending someone up to live in space for six months. it, It really, um, I'm, I'm a pessimist. Most things, but what the one thing that gives me optimism about the world is that if you lock enough people and enough money in a room, they can come up with like the idea to land on the moon or Dock two spacecraft together, or land a rocket on a barge in the middle of the water. Um, so I think for things like climate change or uh, drinking water, things that we look at now and go, "We, c- it's really hard to fix them." I think that if there's a will, we can fix them. It's just who gives that will. I think its governments have to push it and money. Yeah. But they, like, like I said, they they landed. They landed on the moon before the Russians did because there was a will to do it. I think if there's a will to fix these
0: other problems, we can do it. So, are we going to see you joining um, Branson or Musk in one of these um, space space flights anytime soon? I would love to. If I sell the kids' inheritance, go up to space. <laughs> so, tell me, what is it, what's the future look like for we do printing then? What's what you got planned for the next five years? So, I think the last
1: few years, they haven't been difficult, but like since COVID, it's just been very work. It's all work. All oh, profit and loss and getting jobs done and get the bill out. So the, the fun that was there in the early days kind of waned off because it was kind of survival mode. So the future would be I, I we put in a web to print system last year, VB Media system, would be that the web to print would take away a lot of the day to day stuff. we still talk to people on the phone and everything, but we the increase in sales will come from that that end of it. And I get to work on more fun stuff. I don't know what that fun stuff is yet, mm-hmm. but it's probably around building stuff for festivals and something to do with lasers. I, have, I want to work with lasers again. So, the, yeah, that's the, the, we're going to grow. The growth will come through, yeah, the website and also taking on bigger projects like that. That's the plan, anyway.
0: I'm forward to see how it all unfolds. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. And I hope no um, the listeners can take take some some stuff away from that certainly around the, the value proposition and um and let's not get let's not get dragged into a race to the bottom with pricing kind of um i think we could all we could all be looking at different ways to to showcase values and, and 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 try and build up these profits that we should all be we should all be earning so um so no listen thank you thank you again is there anything else you want to add before we finish up
1: um i want to thank you for your work with the company so I made this up as I went along. Um, I never worked in another printing company. I never worked in a design agency. Came from sales, you kind of background, hospitality background. So all of our processes, we just made them up, which was fine when you're not busy. But as it gets busier, you know, things fall apart. Um, And this place was a show two years ago and you put a bit of order on that. So thank you. We never had a problem with getting the sales in. It was just dealing with that amount of sales. So t-card systems um, and order management systems you push me to put the web to print
0: in push me to write for the website as well so thank you for that and thanks for your work no it's been it's been a pleasure sir and maybe we'll get you we'll get you back on once you've once you've been for that trip to the moon Uh, to the moon i'm back (laughs) (laughs) excellent thanks again i'll catch up with you again soon